Welcome back to another episode of Marianne and Wanda. I'm Andy. And I'm Allie. We are back. Yeah. Again. <laughs> We're excited to be here. <laughs> <laughs> we hope everyone's had a great week so far. Uh, yeah. Andy been... and I have been a little bit tired, but we hope you guys have had a great week. <laughs> yeah. It's been rough here. <laughs> <laughs> Adam's been out of town half of the week, so... I see, I see the struggle that single parents have because just having Rosie by myself for a few days and then work on top of that, it's been a lot. Plus, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff going on worldwide right now. That's not the greatest. Yeah. Yeah. So that's been hard to see a lot in the news. And then at work for me last week, the, CEO of the company that I work at they had a big layoff oh not not at the location that I work at but at the location up in Ohio yeah so that was kind of unexpected but they supposedly laid off a lot of people um wow yeah and nobody was expecting that but yeah so it's been kind of a lot this week yeah, sounds like but, it. Yeah, I'm ready for next week because I'm off next week and it's Thanksgiving. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, so I had two big long experiments this week that ran from 6 a.m. The first one went until 1 a.m. I'm hoping that that doesn't happen tonight. And I was going to do a third experiment on Sunday because I was originally going to have to still be in Alabama on Tuesday to teach or to TA. But then we decided to reschedule that class. And so then I was like, okay, well, I'll cancel this experiment. And now I get to go home on Sunday instead. And um, I'll be able to hang out a little bit longer with my little baby nephew. So I, too, am very excited for next week. Yay. Yeah. But I, yeah, I've had a very long week and I'm very tired. Yeah, me too. I'm actually taking a half day tomorrow. And I booked myself a massage. Nice. (laughs) Where are you getting it? On the Watertown Square. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lady that um, that I know. She's super nice. She's actually British, but she's lived around Watertown for a long time now. But she rents a little area on the square. And one of the other businesses there. And she has clients that come there. So she's oh, super nice. I like her. I've done a massage with her before. But I was like, you know what? It's been a while since I did one of those. And <laughs> It's about time. Yeah, I'm also going to take a half day tomorrow. And I'm going to drive over to Mississippi and see my friend Molly, longtime listener. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Shout out to her. I get to go see her for the afternoon tomorrow. So that's a lot of fun. Oh, cool. Hope you guys have a good time. I will. (laughs) I'll have a great time. Well, cool. Uh, Yeah. So should we get into it? What are we talking about today? Yeah. So we got two more episodes this week of Schitt's Creek. We are nearing the end of season one. Yeah. We we were going to do four episodes in one, but we realized uh, how long it takes us to do three. So we we can't do four. Yeah. Um, Four is just a lot. And these two episodes, one of them, at least I thought, was jam-packed with a lot of good stuff. So... Four would have been a lot to handle. Too much, yeah. Yeah. So the first episode, episode 10, was Honeymoon. So that one starts out with David and Stevie 
and they have just had a romantic night in the honeymoon suite at the motel, which mm-hmm. I think it's funny that they even have a honeymoon suite at the motel. <laughs> yeah. Like, how often does a room with red satin sheets and a mirror on the ceiling actually get rented out in Chits Creek? Well, I think we find out later that Roland had their honeymoon night at that motel <laughs> for the honeymoon suite. <laughs> Incredible. Okay, so at least one. <laughs> Yeah. But anyway, so they um, have made use of the honeymoon suite and Johnny happens to find out what's going on. And he's, I think, a little like taken aback at first yeah. to find David in there because I think he it's, I guess, kind of a little unsure where David he's unsure where David stands with his sexuality. Uh, um, no, I, I don't think that's true. Oh, really? No, I don't think that that's why he was so confused about it. Oh, I thought he was. No, so later in the episode, we, um, he, Johnny talks about him being pansexual. I don't. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't think that he's at all, like, confused about it. I think he knows that David is pansexual. I think he was confused because right before that, he thought that Stevie was in trouble and he was going to go call the cops. And then David yells at him from the other side of the honeymoon suite. And he's just taken aback in general. That it's him. Yeah. Like, how disorienting would that be? He's trying to talk to the motel proprietor about towels. And then he thinks that she's being held against her will. Yeah, I guess that. And then I thought he was also then confused to see that it was David. Because I thought he thinks that David is gay, not pansexual. No, I don't anyway, think so. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah. Anyway, after that scene, Stevie and David are then um, getting ready for the dinner party. And mm-hmm. um, so Stevie is trying to figure out where David stands. And she says, you know, up until last night, I thought that um, you enjoyed red wine and and david's like oh okay i see where you're going with this and he's like i enjoy the wine and not the label um Mm -hmm. to explain where he stands on his sexuality and that um that analogy that they explain got a lot of media attention because it was such a good analogy of explaining pansexuality because i think that um sexual orientation is one that's not as commonly understood or not as commonly known um Mm -hmm. and so it was a good way for that to be explained and then for stevie's reaction to just be like oh okay understood and then they move on and and it was no big deal that that it got a lot of um positivity in the media for being handled with such grace yeah, and in the queer community, too, it's just a very good description for um, that particular orientation. And it, it's a good one because he says that he likes red wine, but he also likes white wine. And he's been known to also sample an occasional rosé. And it's just like a, it's both an explanation of the orientation and also a little bit of uh, gender fluidity or transgender people as well. When he talks about the Cabernet that used to be a Sauvignon Blanc or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So like overall, it's just a really great analogy and it's very digestible for the average person. Yeah. Uh, Because I think like with eggs in our last movie, everybody's got an opinion on what kind of eggs they like. 
I think the same is very true for wine. So yeah, I just think it's overall great explanation. 10 out of 10. Yeah. And like a lot of people too, especially if they, not to be political about it, but a lot of people either have an idea of one way or another, like it is easy to understand or it's not easy to understand when it comes to different sexual orientations. Mm -hmm. And like for an analogy, like different types of wines or whatever, it to say that it's hard to understand is not really um, a good excuse not to understand it when you can use something right. like wine to explain it because like when right. you can put something tangible or something you know that you can hold in your hand and explain the difference about it like you can't mm-hmm. say that it's hard to understand I don't know if that makes sense no I think that does make sense yeah anyway. uh, yeah and I agree <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, I remember I remember a lot of media attention about this specific episode and that scene and how it was just done with such grace and elegance about explaining everything and then yeah. just how they made it such they made it to be not a big deal and right. but they still addressed it in a positive way. Yeah, I think it's probably one of the first and like most widely um seen depiction of pansexuality in um popular media i would say yeah i also i think i've seen an interview with dan levy too um the guy who plays david Mm -hmm. explaining how he has gotten multiple fan write-ins and um reviews from viewers who have said that they've used the wine analogy to come out to their parents or their mm-hmm. family members or to, you know, two specific people who maybe don't understand yeah. what pansexuality is or what, whatever orientation they are mm-hmm. to like to use that as an example and to explain how they are feeling and what they, you know, how they are. And so to know that it has an impact like that, pretty cool. Yeah. So fun fact, uh, like the one trivia on IMDb about this episode was that Evie in the show says that she only dates men and David says he dates anyone. And in real life, the actors are flip-flop. So Dan Levy in reality only dates men and the actress who plays Stevie, um, Emily Hampshire, um, is Pan. So that's just like the fun fact that in reality they're switched. Hmm. that's all I wanted to say (laughs) (laughs) Um, on the other end of this we see Ted and Alexis hosting their first party together and it's a bit of a a train wreck yeah a train wreck (laughs) I think is a good way to start because all of their guests show up thinking that it's like a party party and Ted and Alexis have curated this couples evening together, and there's only three couples, so it's very. I was gonna intimate. say, you say all of their guests, all four of them, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all four of them, and what a group! David and Stevie, who aren't even a couple and only hooked up the night before, and then Mutt and Twyla, who are unfortunately having some issues in their relationship, it yeah. seems. And when they yeah. get there and they talk about, uh, like, I think it's da- uh, David's just, like, making small talk about the furniture. Mm-hmm. And Ted points out that he bought the old showrooms out of some, I think it was, like, a Macy's or some kind of 
furniture shop or mm-hmm. a department store and he bought the whole set like he's like this yeah. used to be the bachelor ad or something like that and over there is the executive dining room <laughs> and I didn't know that that's possible but it makes sense and it is totally a Ted move because it's so practical and I would totally do that like yeah. oh this whole suit this whole bedroom suit matches why wouldn't you just buy the entire thing like that way you don't have to think about what nightstand is going to match with this mirror and which mirror is going to match with this dresser and (laughs) what dresser is going to match with this bed frame and like just buy the whole thing (laughs) and it's probably discounted because they're trying to get rid of it to make room for a new one in the store yeah I think that's like the the brightest part of it because I feel like you could probably just spend you know (laughs) an insane amount of money and actually buy all of the individual pieces together. But I bet he got a a serious discount and I love that. Yeah. Always here for a good deal. I don't know that I I would have ever thought about that, but that's the way to do it. I don't know if that's a real thing, but yeah. I hope it is. I want one of us to own a furniture set from DT McCall's and Sons. (laughs) It's been on the commercial and everybody knows what it is. It's just in our living room. That's definitely a local thing. Does bedroom match? Relatively, Mm. but not completely. Like, it all is the same color, but it's not, like, the same brand and not, like, made to match, you know? Yeah, I'm just looking around my room right now and not a single piece of furniture matches another one. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, all the furniture we have, like, the two bedside tables were from my grandmother's house uh oh, yeah they, i mean they match they match the coffee table that's in our living room too but the the they were actually supposed to be end tables but they look better as bedside tables mm-hmm. and then like our little dresser was from adam's dad's house so like a lot of it's hand-me-down furniture but no, it's all roughly it's all roughly the same color though so it's not like we have like something white next to something brown next to something gray (laughs) you know like it's all it's all like the same dark brown color something brown next to something gray next to something black next to something light brown (laughs) none of it is the same but my bedside table is from my grandmother's house so that's fun yeah we both have inherited bedside tables yep (laughs) anyway I just, it's also, I think, pretty indicative of how weird Ted is. I mean, and I like Ted as a character, but he's pretty weird. Yeah, I think he's a little obnoxious, but overall a good guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I also think it's obvious that he's very insecure. Very obvious at the dinner party because he won't let it go when he keeps asking about what Alexis and Mutt talk about all day while they're doing their community service which I don't know I guess we don't really know how often they're doing the community service but it seems like they're doing it all day every day which I don't know how much community service you'd have to do for a DUI which is what Alexis has but I don't know what Mutt did to have to do community service but all day every day seems like a lot of community service yeah I think I think she goes I mean it's got to be at least once a week but I think it was every day it seems like it but I don't really know, I guess, how often they're doing it. But yeah, he's like, what do you guys talk about all day? And she's like, nothing. I mean, most of the time they're just talking about her. (laughs) It's true. But she's also like pretty self-centered, at least at the start of this. So yeah, but he's like 
you know, they've got to be talking about something serious for it to be all day, but they're also being forced to be with each other all day to get this community service stuff done. Yeah. And community service is a pretty loose word for washing a car. <laughs> yeah. Also, <laughs> like, who's giving them these community service projects? Because that seems like a Roland thing to do. <laughs> I... I don't, I guess my assumption was that just like show up at town hall every day and ask what needs to be done. Yeah. And I feel like Roland would be like, mm, go wash yeah. my car. <laughs> Seems about right. Yeah. Anyway, or go paint that fence. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's such like a, such a love triangle or a love, love rhombus or whatever you want to call yeah. it between the four of them. You know, it's like so obvious. And poor sweet Twyla is just caught in the middle of this. She doesn't yeah, do anything um, to deserve this. Yeah, it's it's getting weird. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. I mean, it's got, Mutt had a dream about Alexis, right? That's the implication at the start of this episode, and that's he, what they talk about. He doesn't specifically say that it's about her, but I think, yeah, I think it's implied. Okay. Yeah. Then, yeah. So then Johnny and Moira... Uh, they are told to get a life. And, <laughs> uh, so they practically, Moira practically begs for an invitation to the Hawaiian party that Roland and Jocelyn are having. Mm-hmm. Which I don't really understand why they weren't invited. And le- I mean, even if it seems like Jocelyn is the kind of person that would be like, okay, I know Moira and Johnny, that's probably not their thing, but I'll extend the invitation just to be polite. So it's kind of mm-hmm. weird. I thought that she didn't invite them. Yeah, I thought the same thing. Just a little bit odd that they wouldn't have already heard about this party, at least. Yeah, especially since she made it seem like the whole town would be there. Yeah. Like, I mean, it seemed like the whole town because they're based on how packed their house was. Yeah, so it's like you knew they would have found out. And mm-hmm. if you knew that the whole town was going to be there, even if you didn't think they would come... You still probably should have invited them just to sit, like, not leave them out. But yeah, very out of character for Jocelyn. You're right. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah. So Moira's like, "What pig do I have to slaughter to get an invitation?" (laughs) (laughs) Such a good line. Yeah, (laughs) Roland. er, Roland. (laughs) Roland is like, "You're a little too (laughs) hoity-toity." I mean, they are a little hoity-toity, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. And when... Yeah, so they so they come, and I thought it was funny that uh, you know Johnny always wears a suit, but he wore like a white cream suit to a Hawaiian party, which is, <laughs> I mean, it was a nice suit, but I just thought it was funny that that's what he wore. And then Moira wears her wig, and Jocelyn uh, says something like, I can't remember what she asked about her wig, and I think she asked if it was made out of real hair. Oh yeah, yeah. And Moira was like, Maureen does not like to be manhandled. <laughs> <laughs> Maureen, what a good name for a wig. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so they they get lit at the, <laughs> the barbecue. Which I thought it was funny that Roland was like, don't even think about trying to turn me in because I'm the mayor and they're just gonna turn me over to me. Yeah. <laughs> So do you think that that's something that's, like, actually common in small towns where, like, the mayor or the people of authority are above the law? Like, is that actually true? 
I feel like it is. It's gotta be, right? Yeah, I think that there's a lot of that. And like, I don't know if it's just, I don't want to say something against the rural South here, but I feel like this might be, yes, something that is very uh, typical in small towns in general. And Roland and Jocelyn also mentioned Mutt when they're at the party. They say something about him, like, being their wayward son again or whatever. Yeah. But it doesn't said, seem... Well, he said that Mutt could be the next mayor if he wanted to. Oh, right. But yeah. is that something that happens very often? Like, Roland and Mutt? Like, it's not a guaranteed thing that your son could be the next mayor if he wanted to. Like, you'd still have to run. Well, yeah, you'd still have to run, but I think that he would win is yeah yeah, like the idea is just that it would be hard to beat him because he carries the family name it's like having the Kennedy name you know yeah but just the Shit's Creek version there's but there's just like no real expectation for Mutt to be there which makes sense to me a little bit except for the fact that he's dating Twyla because again it feels like the whole town is supposed to be at this party but there's no Twyla what's going on there yeah but we know that Mutt and Roland have a strained relationship, so it makes sense that he's not there. Yeah. This episode also has one of my favorite moments between Jocelyn and Moira um, when they're relaxing on the swing um, and having their little heart-to-heart, like, actually settling in and, like, Moira's opening up a little bit about her past and being a little bit vulnerable. And that's always good. It's good for growth for Moira. Yeah, and she admits to being from a small town, which I think also shows why she doesn't particularly like Schitt's Creek that much. It reminds her of where she grew up and what she was trying to escape when she was younger. Yeah. Yeah. She's definitely having some serious flashbacks to that. Yeah. And I thought that it was funny that Roland, when uh, Johnny was like, my son is pansexual and I just want him to be happy. And Roland was like, I've heard of that cookware fetish. <laughs> Adam and I laughed so hard at that that he's just so out of touch that he's like, oh yeah, I've heard of that before. God, what a dummy. <laughs> it's such a good joke though. I love that joke. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah. But that's pretty much a wrap on Honeymoon episode. Yeah. Episode 11 was Little Sister and it starts out with Moira jumping out of bed thinking that there are invisible bugs crawling on her. <laughs> yeah. It starts starts in hard with more insects in this episode. And yeah, it's bed bugs. And I have to say, as someone who's been living with fleas in her house, um, Jose, yes, unfortunately, my dog has fleas. And unfortunately, I think that they're fleas from the sea lab that the sea lab has been trying to kill for like two months now. Ew. and yeah gross overall very gross but I think that they're because they've been sprayed so many times and haven't died I think that they're like super fleas and now <laughs> they're inside my house um so we're we're working on that uh his flea collar wasn't working but we're anyway we're working on that again the start of this episode um is just hitting a little bit too close to home with all these bugs Ugh. We, so that kitten that we rescued, uh, we still have him. He's doing great. He's got a big, he's got a big plump belly now, but he had flea. And um, really none of them ever like got on me or got into the house or anything. Um, He's flea free now. So that's good. Um, good. 
we did have an experience with bed bugs one time. Luckily, not in the house, but we went with one of our couple friends. This was a few years ago to a cabin in Gatlinburg, and the it was one of those cabins way up in the mountains. And um, we got to the it wasn't an Airbnb, but basically Airbnb. Um, they're like late one night. We got in bed and early it was like super early in the morning like 1 a.m or something we got a knock on our bedroom door from the other couple and they were like hey guys check your sheets our bed has bed bugs in it and we were Whoa. like Gross. <laughs> they didn't notice I, I guess when they had gone to bed and but they woke up because they were so itchy oh and, yeah I was like Ugh. but luckily the bed that we were in did not have any so it was just the upstairs bed that was infested Gross. Uh, so the downstairs bed was okay and they ended up sleeping on the couch um, or there was two couches they slept on the couch until the morning and then we got the rest of our stuff went to a laundromat and um, dried everything on the highest heat level like everything we brought with us and mm-hmm. yeah and then we message to the people who owned the house and we were like we are not coming back you have bed bugs (laughs) did you get your money back no so the way that it that we actually went the couple that we were with the woman she had bid on the cabin as part of a silent auction for um as part of a silent auction for a nonprofit. so it was already paid for and um there was no way like it had been a donated thing yeah there was no way for her to get her money back really Uh, but yeah it was kind of one of those situations that was i don't know kind of hairy but whatever (laughs) keep the money yeah but yeah that's the only and they were they were big enough to see but since we got there kind of late like we had left after work one day i think um we got there late. We weren't really even paying attention. Like, I don't think we would have been, I don't think we would have looked for them if, if it had been, if it hadn't been dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, like if you were looking for them, you'd been able to see them. I believe that. Yeah. But I'd never seen them before. They showed me the pictures of them they took, but ugh. there was um, one time at the condo in Gallatin where I woke up and I there were bed bugs in my bed and I remember when I went to bed there was a black dot and I like showed it to my mom and I was like mom I think that this is a bed bug and my mom was like there's no way we have bed bugs which is fair we are pretty clean family where will we pick up bed bugs we like weren't traveling around uh, in the middle of the night and yeah like threw the covers off and like turned on the light and there were so many more of them it was horrible um, so yeah, we t- took the sheets out and like shook them out and then washed everything. And I wanted to murder my mother at the time, but <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So this episode is all about Dee Dee, who's Moira's sister, who just shows up at the motel in the morning. Um, I don't. Yeah, I guess sisters are always just going to be kind of annoying, huh? Is this just like the trait of being sisters? Yeah, just comes Wait. from territory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's some sassiness that goes back and forth with both of them the whole episode. They just like 
are taking jabs at each other back and forth. <laughs> yeah, like Dee Dee saying she can thank the internet for even knowing that their family is alive and well. And it's like, you have a phone, Dee Dee. Why don't you call her? <laughs> Moira's like, the telephone is wonderful. You just push the buttons and say hello. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, it was pretty funny. Yeah. I understand though because I definitely struggle to call my sisters and sometimes I get really upset with myself about it and then sometimes I remember also that yeah telephones work both ways so like we're, it's a two-way street we're both doing poorly here not just me <laughs> I, I am definitely bad about that I like I'm even bad about texting both of them no. I did I texted Jamie happy birthday in October and well I guess I've texted her since then too because we went to go see my grandmother down in Florida yeah that's probably the last time and Samantha it's been a long long time too well we (laughs) we have a family group chat do you guys not have one um we do it's been a while since we've used it though we don't really use it unless it's for like planning getting together and stuff though Alright, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Um, but I thought one of the the funny jabs at each other was when they're at the cafe and Moira says, Oh, you know, Dee Dee, order whatever you want and Dee Dee's like, Oh, they're letting you run up a tab, I see. Yeah. <laughs> Such a under the table yeah. uh, backhanded comment. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, the fun fact for this episode is that Catherine O'Hara, who of course plays Moira, is actually 21 years older than the actress who plays her younger sister in the show, Jennifer Irwin. Hmm. That's yeah. a pretty big age gap. I can see that. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> Scathing review. Scathing review. <laughs> oh. So Alexis and Ted are getting pretty serious. I know, it's the longest voluntary relationship she said. <laughs> Stress on the voluntary. <laughs> yeah. I she always slips like these very wild, crazy stories into her normal conversations like it's just nothing. Yeah. Like everybody once was held captive by a Saudi prince for an extra two months because he didn't want her to leave. Yeah. <laughs> and she's she's crazy. Yeah, gotta get her life in order well I guess she's having to but still um, yeah. something I like about this episode is that there's a lot of growth um, and like swallowing your pride in this episode from like all the characters yeah there is for sure lots of humbling I think my favorite example is David getting so much sass from the teen that he's supposed to go help yeah um, definitely funny to see because he goes in like thinking that he's going to be offering this youth some helpful advice and then he ends up like getting sass thrown in his face from this youth like I don't need your help and David's like uh okay (laughs) and he like gives it to him from all directions he makes fun of his clothes he like (laughs) makes fun of Stevie and calls Stevie his girlfriend and says she's out on a date with another man and Man, this kid is just such aspirations, you know. I want to be as quick-witted as him one day. <laughs> Love him. And Moira, she 
So Moira has a lot of pride. And at first, Dee Dee is, it seems like she's trying to do the right thing and write a check to help her sister out. And um, we learn that in the past, Moira and Johnny gave Dee Dee $50,000 for some about like a vacation home or some kind of like secondary house somewhere. Yeah, it was a down payment for a house. Yeah. And so depending on who you talk to, it was either gave or lent. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So like did they give her the money? Did they loan her the money? Whatever. And so um trying to make things right in her mind. And Moira's like, I don't need your charity money. Um and so he first writes her a check and Moira rips it up and puts it in her coffee. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, and I think we find out that that was like a $500 check that would have been a pretty sizable chunk of the $5,000 she was like, or no, 50000 Never mind. Whoa, I'm off by a factor. Wait, she wrote her, the first check that she wrote was for 500 I thought so. Did we not find that out? I don't think we ever had a number for it. Okay. I thought that the number was 500 and then we find out that the Rose family is, in fact, worth, like, $500 million. So it was barely even a drop in the hat. Oh, I don't know. I I do know that um, she says later on that you loaned me 50000 but you yeah. were $500 million. I Yeah, I think uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at this point. It just cut, the, cut it out. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So... She writes her a first check, she and then Moira rips it up and puts it in her coffee. And Johnny loses his mind because he's like, Moira, swallow your pride. We need the money. And you need to make things right and apologize. So they take uh, Dee Dee out for lunch or dinner or whatever and try to apologize and make things right. And so Dee Dee's like, I'll do you one better and writes her a check. And uh, But stupid Johnny doesn't even look at it. He just puts it in his pocket. And then they find out at the end that it was like, basically a joke how much do you think the check the second check was for well johnny said out um on the deal because they ended up paying for dinner for the three of them so i think it's got to be like maybe a hundred dollars and he also said that she left off a couple zeros (laughs) so maybe yeah like fifty (laughs) dollars i was thinking like yeah like ten dollars or fifty dollars depending on if it was like supposed in his mind going to be like a thousand dollars or five thousand dollars well i mean she looks like she's pretty well to do she gets what that face peel every week it seems yeah she might might have been able to uh give him a little bit more but that's neither here nor there yeah i don't know but yeah they ended up losing money because they paid for dinner (laughs) yeah but so yeah they they say that the rose the rose video store was worth 500 million dollars which is a lot of money but i think at some point they they said in the past that rose video was the number two video store and so assuming that they are coming runner up to blockbuster which blockbuster was worth 500 billion dollars when it was at its peak Mm -hmm. that's a pretty big gap still yeah that's like a what a tenth of it it's a good chunk yeah, but I'm just assuming that Rose Video was supposedly runner-up to Blockbuster. Yeah, I would think so. Back yeah, the- but I just thought that was funny. Yeah, $500 million. But yeah, but- so then 
Stevie also gets stood up halfway through her date with um he says that he goes to the bathroom and then never comes back so he either stood her up or he has a lot of digestive issues <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> so he she comes into the bar not the bar she comes into the cafe and has a drink with um David and Twyla who are drinking because Twyla and Mutt have broken up and so that's when Stevie and David start to talk about their boundaries again and they decide that it's probably best for them to just be friends because David's like I don't have a whole lot of friends in this area as that little youth reminded me um so (laughs) I think we should just be friends so that I don't lose my only friend and then they toast to warmest riches and kindest regards <laughs> <laughs> works out well for them the yeah. poor Twyla I know Alexis is really hating on Twyla's idea of writing Mutt a song do you think she was doing that to keep Twyla hurt or because she likes Mutt and just wants them to break up already I think that Alexis probably thinks it's for the first reason to prevent her from getting hurt, but it's because she wants them to break up. Like, Alexis is being very apparent here, and I I'm I'm like, I get it, whatever. You don't like them, you're trying to break them up, but also, like, poor Twyla is just trying to do something nice, you know? I think at some point, Ted asks um, Alexis, like, why not just, like, let her do what she wants for her boyfriend? And, like, why not, Alexis? Just yeah. Stay out of it. Yeah, Alexis is kind of a pick me girl. <laughs> she has some growth later, don't worry. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's pretty much the recap of episode eleven. That one to me didn't have as much as much content. The big part of it was Dee Dee's visit, I think. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of growth in here, but yeah, I think out of um out of five hoity toities. <laughs> How many hoity toities would you give episode ten honeymoon? <laughs> Strong five out of five. Strong five out of five. I would say so too. This was probably my uh, probably my favorite episode that we've seen so far in the season. So yeah. I'm gonna give it five out of five hoity toities. Yeah, we're really digging into it now, really getting to love these characters i was uh talking to somebody at the lab today um and i was talking about Shit's creek and she was like oh i couldn't get into it i only watched the first two episodes and i was like look just give it like a solid four to five episodes then you'll love it and not want to leave and then by episode 10 you're gonna absolutely adore everybody (laughs) yeah that's true the first time that i watched a couple episodes of it was actually several years ago and we watched it at a friend's house and i think Mm -hmm. I think it was the same way. Like the first one or two episodes, I was like, "Man, that's kind of boring." But then we, when we watched it a year ago, we watched like the first four or five episodes in one night, and then I was like, "Okay, this is pretty good." Yeah. So first, like two episodes or so, didn't do it for me. I had to watch a few, like, yeah, probably three or four or five before I was into it. Yeah, I don't know. That makes sense to me. You know, it's a brand new show. You got to get yeah. your legs under you. Yeah. So, just a reminder, also, Fiona and Jane by Jean Chen Ho is going to be the book for next week. Mm-hmm. Next, have you started it yet? I have. Have you? 
I have. I'm about 75 pages into it. Okay, nice. All right. Yeah. I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah. And we hope everyone has warmest wishes and kindest regard. (laughs) (laughs) Fade to outro. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Marianne and Wanda. We would love to hear your feedback and if you have any books or topics for us to review. You can reach us at Marianne and Wanda podcast on Instagram or send us an email at Marianne and Wanda podcast at gmail.com. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.